Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Tom Shapiro. Tom is the CEO of Stratabeat, a B2B marketing and branding agency. In this episode, we talk about why you shouldn't follow best practices, how executive briefings can drive B2B sales, and how your creativity, and not your tech or processes, is your brand's secret power. Hi, Tom. Hey, Brian. Tom Shapiro is the founder and CEO of Stratabeat, a B2B organic growth agency in Boston, specializing in SEO, content development, content marketing design, and account-based marketing, otherwise known as ABM. Tom has developed marketing strategies for market-leading companies such as Intel, GE, Hewlett-Packard, AT&T, and United Healthcare. Previously, Tom was director of digital strategy at the digital marketing agency iProspect, where he helped grow the firm from 85 employees to more than 700 in a five-year period. Prior to that, he engineered the U.S. market entry strategy for a British software localization firm, tripling revenue in the process. And Tom is the author of the new book, Rethink Lead Generation, Advanced Strategies to Generate More Leads for Your Business. The book explains how creativity, lateral thinking, and marketing innovation can be used to drive leads to grow your business. Tom, thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Brian, thanks so much for having me on. Really excited about the conversation. So for those that aren't familiar, what is Stratabeat? So Stratabeat is an agency, and what we do is we focus on B2B organic growth. So we work with businesses that sell to other businesses, and the services range from SEO to content development, to content marketing, to web design, to ABM, to conversion optimization. And what you'll notice about all of those things is that they're all organic. We we do not pay to play. We do not pay for a click. Uh, We view that as really renting an audience. You know, when you pay for a click and you're spending advertising dollars, as soon as you stop, it goes to zero. Where what we're trying to do as an agency is build trust and relationships with your audience that compounds over time. And so what we want to do is, whether it's SEO or content or conversion optimization, is figure out organic ways that we be, that we can be connecting with your audience and then building that relationship so that your results are better and better, you know, month to month, year to year over time. Our our tagline is amplify your awesomeness. And we really mean that. You know, we think that every company has something unique about it uh, where it benefits the world. It benefits their audience. But what we find is a lot of companies, especially B2Bs, have a a difficult time either identifying that uniqueness uh, or they have a very difficult time articulating it in a way that captivates the audience and also drives home the value uh, of what they're delivering. And so, you know, we really focus on helping companies to identify that special quality that they have, their awesomeness, right? And then enabling them to translate that from, you know, having this, this capability to finding the audience, grabbing their attention, you know, getting them engaged in quality conversations and then driving long-term relationships. So we're, be- we're, we're very much in the long-term game. You offer a range of services. We read some of this in the bio, right? SEO, content development, content marketing, design, ABM. I'm curious where brands should start when thinking about their investment. Like where, where to begin? Because the language on your website says, choose your path. And the options are lead gen or brand marketing. Are these different muscles that B2B brands need to flex or are they connected together? All things being equal. What's your counsel to me? I'm, I'm coming to you and I need help with everything. Where should I put my, my resources? 
Well, if, if you need revenue, right? If you need to grow, lead gen is the way to go, right? Like you, you, you need to focus on lead generation. However, I'm going to qualify that with if you do not have a strong brand to begin with, your lead gen is going to suffer. And so if your brand is strong to begin with, if you came to us and we felt that your brand was strong, we would just jump into lead generation. If it's clear that we need to strengthen uh, the brand, then we would parallel path. And I'll give you an example. So we helped one company that they came to us and they wanted to shift their audience. They wanted to target the Fortune 500. So, the, you know, the largest companies in the market. And uh, so one, you know, they hired us for a number of different marketing activities, one of them being blogging and SEO. And if, if this was any other agency that was hired for blogging, you know, typically they would just jump into it. They would start figuring out, you know, okay, well, what topics are we going to cover, build the calendar and start blogging. And what we did was we said, stop, we need to blow up your website first. <laughs> we need to blow up this brand and we need to articulate a brand that appeals to a Fortune 500 audience first. Otherwise, we can be blogging all the way from here to the moon and back and not drive quality leads. Your brand needs to be very appealing to the target audience. So, so they, they had a brand that, that it was a very weak website. Um, they didn't have quality case studies. And so for the first few months, we guided them through a complete brand overhaul. We went through a brand strategy. We guided them through a website redesign. We helped them develop a lot of different, really, really, really strong case studies for the website. And that's all much more powerful and appealing to a Fortune 500 audience. And then we got started on the blogging and went nuts with the blogging and we blog for them like crazy now. And because we took the time to guide them through that brand overhaul, we've achieved, and I'm not exaggerating, we have achieved 5,900% growth in traffic, organic traffic, just the organic traffic through our blogging efforts. And that would not have happened if we didn't first stop everything, blow up the website, and then start blogging after that. So let's talk about best practices. Just kidding. You hate that. You hate best practices. <laughs> Why does a best practice type of framework maybe inhibit growth? Because I think companies specifically in the B2B space like to just run the playbook back. Are there trends out there that make sense for brands to follow and replicate while not falling on the crutch of like, here are the best practices that are happening in the industry? Yeah, yeah. And we see this all the time, especially in B2B, is they, they rely on best practices or so-called best practices. And you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it does inhibit growth. And here's why. Uh, even though you think, oh, we're following best practices, so therefore we're going to knock it out of the park. Therefore, we're going to unleash massive growth. Well, think about it. If you're following best practices and your closest competitor is following best practices and another competitor is following best practices, and let's say you, know, you have 10 major competitors in your market and everyone is following best practices, guess what? You have mediocre soup, right? It's just a, a one-way trip towards mediocrity because you're, you're competing in a sea of sameness. And if you're competing in a sea of sameness, it's very difficult to stand out. It's very difficult to break through all the clutter and all the noise and to captivate your audience. You know, if you look at audiences today, typically an audience member will hear five or six or 7,000 messages, marketing messages each day. And to fight through that is, is very hard. On top of that, in the B2B space, especially, if there's a buyer, they're not only going to talk to you they're going to talk to your competitors too. They are going to include at least four, five, or six 
competitors in their uh, decision-making process for who they're going to work with, what products they're going to buy, what services they're going to buy. If you want to fight through all of that clutter, following best practices along with all of them, you're going to feel very similar to them. It's going to be very difficult to differentiate uh, your company, your brand from others. And that's why following best practices is one of the worst things that you can do. And in the book, uh, I go through case after case after case where companies that unleashed growth, they didn't follow best practices. They completely broke free from best practices. They went down their own path. They innovated. They were very unique and they were very creative. And that, that's why I argue in the book is if you really want to unleash growth, you really have to take a different path and avoid best practices. But, you know, my attitude is best practices really suck. Yeah, well, I mean, I think best practices on a channel, for example, eventually saturate, right? You saturate that yes. channel and the leads dry up and you have to go find a new channel. And so you're in this rinse and repeat of just sort of running out of runway um, when you lean too much into best practices and not innovating. So I think your point is super, super well taken. And, you know, in the past, I understand that you're a big proponent of direct mail campaigns for lead gen, but this is harder to do with remote work. Are there any tactics that are proving successful in driving leads for B2B brands in this new remote and hybrid work environment? Is there a future for direct mail uh, or, or what do you see happening with that category? Yeah, we, we pre-pandemic, we loved direct mail because you can be so creative with direct mail and you, know, you can send these massive packages to clients or not clients, but, but to your, uh, your prospects and uh, really wow them. With remote work, you can't do that, right? And so direct mail kind of dries up as a potential channel. And for the foreseeable future, you know, it's just unreliable whether they're ever going to see it or not. And so there, there are other things. Now, there are, we, we see a lot of companies trying now to, to really overuse LinkedIn, right? And so you're seeing a lot of marketing through LinkedIn. And unfortunately, a lot of it is, is really bad marketing. It's a lot of examples of really bad marketing. What I mean by that is it's clearly templates, right? It's clearly they have a template and they blast it out to 30,000 people or however many people they're, they're uh, approaching that month, right? And it's clear that that's what they're doing, that you're just one of a number that they don't care about you. They don't even know that you received this message. I'll tell you, when, when I have replied to some of these, I don't get responses back in certain cases. In other cases, I get a response that totally didn't answer my question. It's just, it's just so boilerplate and templatized. Uh, it's, it's just... It's a shame. It's, it's a waste and it's garbage and it's noise. And instead, what we see working, what we see working in this remote environment is when you can customize like crazy. The more that you customize, the more you're going to win, the more that your leads are going to grow. Uh, and I mean, qualified leads, right? Not just blasting you know, something out to 30,000 people, but qualified leads who can pay you a lot of money. What are some ways that, that you can do this? Well, it's obviously going to depend on your industry and your audience and what your offerings are. Um, but, but you know, ABM is a fantastic approach these days where it, it can be through any channel. It can be through email. It can be through LinkedIn. It can be on the phone, right? Um, it, it can be texting. It can be, you know, virtual events, whatever it might happen to be. But what you want to do is customize, customize, customize for your audience. And so I'll give you an example. For one of our ABM clients, uh, what we did was we said, well, you have a highly technical product that is really difficult to, to understand. Uh, and they, they sell to, to scientific organizations. Uh, I'm sorry, they sell to scientists within consumer-oriented or businesses, right? Um, but, but their audience is scientists. 
And so it's really, really technical. And, um, you know, they, they might be selling to say a Nike or an Adidas, right? But, but it's still the, the, you know, very, very technical uh, types of, of products that they're selling that go into the apparel. Uh, what we did was we said, well, you know, education is really key for you, right? That is a huge part of your sales process. So what we're going to do is we're going to set up a knowledge hub for every one of your ideal target accounts that's in your ABM list. So with ABM, for anyone who doesn't know ABM, it's a process where you target your ideal audience, right? Who you want to work with. If you could wave a magic wand, which accounts would you work with in the entire world, right? And then you, you gather the relevant contacts within those organizations, and then you target them with uh, continuous communications over and over and over. In our case, every time we, we have a touch point, we want it to add value to them. And so what we did was we created this knowledge hub that was customized for every single target account. So you're talking dozens and dozens and dozens of these knowledge hubs that we put together that are completely customized for the audience. Now, here's the key. How are we able to scale like that? How are we able to launch dozens and dozens of knowledge hubs all on the same day? And the, the key is we would customize the heck out of say 20% of it. And then 80% would be the same. Let's say you are Nike. Let's say you know uh, our client is targeting you and we send you this knowledge hub saying, hey, here's everything you need to know about this technology. Uh, and you go to the site, you see a welcome message to Nike. You see a video welcoming Nike and speaking specifically to you. And it's very, very clear that this was built for Nike. I mean, Nike's even included in the URL, everything, right? And so this is, and, and even the email, you know, outreach to you is customized for you. So, so it's clear that it's, very customized for Nike, but behind the scenes, we are making it scalable by customizing only 20%. And then the 80% that would apply to absolutely every account, you know, it, that, you know, that's also included as well, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that is generic. It feels very customized as well because it's blended in. So that, that would be what we would say would be a very effective approach now in the remote world is customize like crazy for your accounts. You share a little bit more about executive briefings. What are they? And maybe more importantly, how are they different from webinars? Because this feels like an adjacent strategy to a content hub. It's an invitation to participate on specialized education. Can you take it from here? It's a really fascinating concept and one that I think a lot of brands would be eager to deploy for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So an executive briefing is similar to a webinar, but a diff it's different in certain key areas. So with a webinar, you're, you're basically opening it up to the world and anyone can join you and, you know, you don't really have a lot of control over it and you don't really have a lot of awareness uh, as to the quality of the audience when you're setting it up, right? And so there's a lot of randomness to a webinar. Uh, not saying that you shouldn't do it. I mean, webinars have their place, but in account-based marketing, where you have defined your ideal audience and you want to go after these accounts very proactively, we find that executive briefings are a much more relevant and targeted, focused, and effective means of marketing. And so what you do is it's exclusive, right? So, so you are not opening it up to the world. You're not. What you're doing is you're, you're inviting certain people to this executive briefing. And obviously, they should be executives. Uh, you know, this would not be something if, if it's a, a practitioner, maybe, you know, someone who has one, two years of experience, that's, that's not relevant for an executive briefing. This is if you're targeting the C-suite, if you're targeting VPs, that type of level of per personnel, then an executive briefing matches who they are, right? And so it, it connects with them 
on a, an exclusive level makes them feel like they belong, which they do. Uh, and it also is nice because they know this is something that's customized for executives. It's not for everyone in the company. It really is for them. And so it's worth their time. Another thing is webinars can go half an hour. They can go an hour. I've seen many webinars that go an hour. With an executive briefing, you try and keep it shorter, right? Because you know executives' time is brief. And so what you're trying to do is condense it down more like into an executive summary. And maybe it's only 20 minutes. Maybe, you know, half an hour at most, but, but maybe it's only 20 minutes. And then you, you do let them have a Q&A session. You do let them speak their minds. I mean, these are executives they are used to being able to voice their opinion, to ask questions and to get immediate answers. So you enable that immediately. Another thing that you do that goes beyond anything that I've ever seen on a webinar is you enable them to book meetings with your sales team immediately right there on the executive briefing. So right there on the screen, you enable them to click a button and go ahead and book a meeting with your sales team. If it's a webinar and let's say you have a, you know, a lot of people on and you don't know the quality exactly, maybe half of them really aren't, aren't exactly your audience, you don't want to do that. You don't want to open your, your sales team up to all these unqualified sales meetings. When you hand select who's invited, then you know these are the most valuable meetings that you could ever hope to achieve. And so you do want to facilitate enabling them to make a, a meeting appointment right then and there. Because again, with executives, they're, they're, they're busy. They're on to the next thing and then the next and the next. They're not going to swing back and, and you know, reach out to, to try and schedule an appointment. So you, you want to grab them right then and there. Now, we did this for one company where they didn't even have a CRM database when we started working with them. And so we built the, the database with them. And within eight weeks, we held the first uh, executive briefing. We had 100 executives on that, 100 and so if you think, okay, I'm defining my ideal audience, the, the people who I would want to work with more than anyone else in the world, and you get a hundred of them onto an executive briefing where they weren't even in your CRM database eight weeks before, we consider that a massive win. And that's the power of an executive briefing versus a generic webinar. I'll get you out on this question. It was a couple of weeks ago, but your new book came out. Congratulations. Thank you. What's the book about? Where can people get it? How can we all best support you? Yeah, great. Thanks. So the book is Rethink Lead Generation. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, and I also invite you to uh, visit my website, tomshapiro.com, and you can learn all about the book, plus there are lots of other resources uh, and blog posts that, uh, that add additional information beyond the book. But the book is all about how do you apply extreme creativity and lateral thinking and marketing innovation to your lead generation initiatives? Uh, because really, that is what sparks growth. You see a lot of companies struggling, especially B2B companies struggling with driving more leads, especially today. Audiences are more sophisticated than they've ever been, even more sophisticated than they were just a few years ago. And pretty much every market today is saturated with competitors. And if it's not saturated today, it's going to be saturated pretty soon. And so it's a very, very competitive marketplace. And so what is the ultimate competitive advantage? It's, it's really not your technology because a competitor can leapfrog your technology six months from now. Uh, and it's not, not your people or processes because you know, there are lots of great people out there and companies can, can update their processes very easily. And so the key differentiator, the key competitive advantage is when you can apply creativity, when you can be more creative than your competition. And that creativity unleashes uh, you know, a world of opportunity for you to connect with your audience differently, 
more deeply, to captivate them where, where your competitors are not captivating them, to come up with creative solutions that no one ever would have thought of. In fact, they might think uh, you know, that, they're, that they're completely laughable to begin with. And sometimes those are the best ideas in the world. Reed Hoffman says that, you know, that the best ideas are always the most laughable in the beginning, in the beginning, right? And so the, the book really walks you through ways that you can apply creativity and lateral thinking to areas of your marketing, like your website like SEO, like your content, uh, like account-based marketing, like organic referrals, right? And it really drive uh, far more growth than you would any other way. I'm joined today by Tom Shapiro. He is the founder and CEO of Stratabee. He is the author of an excellent new book, Go Buy It. It is called Rethink Lead Generation, Advanced Strategies to Generate More Leads for Your Business. Tom, thank you again for being with me today. really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Brian.